Welcome to Understanding Aged Care, a podcast that's designed to help you navigate the quagmire that is uh, getting older and potentially moving into aged care and leaving your home and all of those horrible things that nobody wants to talk about. My name is Rachel Corbett and I have gone through this process myself with my loved ones with the help of this man, the Director of Aged Care Planners, Andrew Kay. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. Now, Aged Care Planning is your uh, sort of bread and butter. Podcasting is mine. So I'm enjoying the fact that right now you are very uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) You were very uncomfortable when we first met. We were talking about aged care, which was my area. (laughs) Exactly. And that's exactly what the mush of our two areas of expertise are about because through that process, it really was, I found, it incredibly overwhelming and I was sort of navigating it on my own right until the end of the process where I got you involved around about the time that dad was in hospital and so in this series we're sort of going to go through and break down each of the different phases of the step to actually moving into an aged care home so that you can kind of get a bit more of an understanding of what works at each step. Do you find most people that come to you are like I just don't get it like we've been through the whole thing dad's looked after he's fine there is stuff i still don't get the government's taken a lot of steps to try and improve the aged care system in australia it is still really difficult to navigate it's difficult to navigate for a number of reasons one there's a this volume of information that you need to digest on day one i promote planning early well ahead of when you think you might need care and the default is if you don't need care that's great if you do you're well prepared for it and the issue is that most people With the aged care system, it's like trying to learn to surf in a tsunami. Mm. You're hopping on a big wave from the very outset before you've even ridden that surfboard. And it's a shocking experience for many people. Decisions are often made in a crisis, and that leads to suboptimal outcomes for families as well. Because particularly in Australia, I think, the subject of ageing is one that none of us want to approach. Yeah, we hate it. We hate it. And if you have a look at all the stores, everything's about anti-ageing. Yeah. You can't go in and find an ageing cream in a, in a pharmacy. <laughs> it's, it's all there to stop you from getting there. So, And aged care contains all those things that people don't want to talk about. It's got Centrelink. It's got ageing and end-of-life conversations. You're looking and talking about loved ones that you're watching deteriorate in front of you. So there's a whole raft of guilt and grief that comes with it at that point as well. So there's a, people can be forgiven for sitting back, throwing the hands up in the air and saying, I don't know what to do mm. and I don't know where to start. Yeah. It's interesting you say about the, you know, that point of crisis when when people sort of are thinking, oh, shoot, I've got nothing organised. And that's really what we're going to kind of focus on at each stage, that hopefully by the end of the series, you're going to understand that even while it sucks to have a conversation you don't want to have, actually it's a better frog to eat than eating the frog right at the end where you're standing in the hotel car park thinking, I don't know where anything is. We've got to sell the house. We've got to do this. Where do we go from here? Yeah. And and then you've got to start dealing with a whole raft of acronyms, terminologies, forms, processes, steps and stages. It's a lot. It's a a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. It's too much. (laughs) It is too much. So we're going to talk about things like having the conversation with someone if you're looking after them. But also this podcast is for anyone who is looking after themselves too. It's not just for somebody who's looking after a loved one because this could be really daunting. I I sorted it all out for dad with your help, of course, but 
to do it on your own, that's another thing entirely to think, gosh, I've got to navigate this and things might be starting to unravel at the same time. I've helped a lot of seniors, elderly, single elderly seniors, into residential age care. It's a confronting journey for them. They know that they are planning the end of their life. And often the end of their life comes very quickly once they've moved into care because they've known that's where they're going. Mm. When you think about it, though, everything's been pushed online and there's still an enormous percentage of 70 and 80 year olds that aren't computer literate yeah. and yet the entire system is directed online um, you can understand it my age care takes about three million phone calls a year and gets about a million hits on its website yeah. that in itself explains a lot about how why people find it difficult to navigate lucky you're around mate lucky hey? i'm around lucky you're <laughs> around we're going to talk about having the conversation things like what you need to get sorted to make sure that you are prepared what kind of help is available particularly if you want to stay at home because i know when dad was going through it he felt like everybody was going to try and push him into aged care but certainly my experience was that everybody that we met wanted him to stay at home <laughs> correct and the government's focused on keeping people at home for yeah. as long as they possibly can yeah and there's a lot of great services that you can get at home to help out if things are starting to get a bit difficult. And then we'll talk about how to find, you know, your way around the aged care system when you're looking at residential care and that kind of phase of things. The problem I think is that a lot of people have this idea that all aged care, not only family members, but also the people potentially going into aged care, is going to be a royal commission situation. You know, the, the fact that we're sort of flooded with all of these negative images, I think people have an incorrect perception that going into aged care is always a bad thing. I've had my foot in two camps that have had royal commissions on them. One is the financial advice, financial services <laughs> royal commission, now the aged care royal commission. On both of those, I can see there's a small percentage have created issues and they don't look good. And I understand the concerns that family would have. But I think, and I really firmly believe this, in Australia, we have got a really high standard of aged care available to the broad population. Mm. We really have. Um, we'd be lost without the people that underpin the care system in Australia. We've, we're really, really fortunate having the people with the compassion uh, and the skill set to manage it. And there's always going to be instances where there's shortcomings, things may not be exactly as we want them. But overall, people should have confidence that if they're putting their person, their family member into a, an aged care home or using home care providers through reputable providers, they're going to get a good outcome. Do you often see people um, with their family members or the individuals having an experience where once they go into care, it's actually much better for them than being at home? 99% of people mm. have, a, have a bounce and yeah. have a much better experience. And they're quite surprised to see after two or three weeks that mum's cheeks are filled up. She's got colour back in her face. She's got a lot more energy. She's out there engaged in activities. She's doing things. She's less interested in when they're coming next time. Mm -hmm. In fact, the families start to feel a bit alienated because mum's actually immersed herself in a new lifestyle and they're no longer as important as they were when, when they started. Yeah. So it's a good outcome. That's great. And the other thing I think that people often think is if I don't have money or I don't have a lot of assets, then I'm going to have a really bad end-of-life experience. Do you think that you need to have a lot of money to have good aged care at the end? You don't need a lot of money to have good aged care. Yes, certainly. If you want to pay $2 million for a room, you want gold taps, marble bathrooms, they're available to you. Underneath that, though, what you're looking for is the quality of care, the compassion and the carers that the, and the culture of the aged care service provider that you're working with. We are incredibly fortunate. The government subsidises aged care in Australia to an enormous extent. 
they cover about 80% of the cost. So if you don't have money, there is an aged care option available for you and it'll be a good one. You can still get very good care with very little money. In the next episode, we're going to talk about how to actually have a conversation with somebody, particularly if you've got somebody stubborn. I know a lot about that. Uh, <laughs> that's that's always <laughs> tough. But I guess it's important to just get across the idea that you really do need to be proactive at this point, particularly if you're starting to see signs. And maybe, I mean, do you have any advice about how early you should be having these conversations or is it like nothing is too early? <laughs> nothing is too early. Yeah. You really, the earlier you start, the better the outcome is going to be. It gives you much greater choice and affordability and options. The focus is always on staying at home for as long as you possibly can. If you leave it too late, you're going to end up giving yourself no choices. Mm. You'll have an accident, there'll be a crisis, you'll go to hospital and it'll be straight to a residential aged care. Mm. If you start planning earlier and you take the small steps when you first see signs that some help might be needed and they're tiny steps, it might be help with shopping, it might be getting grab rails in the bathroom, it might be ripping the bath out so you've got a level shower so you don't have to climb up and into a bath at the age of 92. Mm. Um, getting dad to stop climbing the ladder in the kitchen and, and reaching for the top shelf, you know, he'll, he might have a dead cat bounce two or three times, but one of them is yeah. going to land him in hospital. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But what, what about if you do have stubborn parents? I certainly found that that was honestly the hardest thing for me. You know, again, we'll talk about conversation in the next episode, but can you do a lot by yourself if you can't get the buy-in of your loved one? You can do all the background learning and understanding of what options are available to you, how you go about accessing it, getting yourself set up and knowing what the steps are, getting the family on board, coordinating the family on that common goal of getting mum and dad in a right situation with the right care and, and support structure around them. You can do a lot yourself. Well, that is good to know. Coming up in the next episode, we are going to talk about having the talk. Not the talk that people usually refer to when they're saying the talk. <laughs> but, the, but the tough end of life discussion. <laughs> I think by the end of life, people are well and truly across that talk. But, you know, how you can actually sit down with you, the people that you care about and start to have those discussions, even if it's just simple stuff like getting things in order so that you can be well and truly prepared. If by this episode, you're already like, stuff this, I don't want to do any of this by myself, then make sure you head to agecareplanners.com.au and find Andrew's details because he can help you through all of the steps of this process. But if you are thinking about having the conversation, then please join us for the next episode to find out how you can do that. Andrew, we'll see you next step. See you next step.